Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus didn't walk back what he said about the temple being left desolate. Instead, he went even further and said, you see all these magnificent stones? Assuredly, I tell you, not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. There are so many things going on in the world today. There seems to be something new happening each day that wasn't happening the day before. With each new occurrence, we ask more questions about what is going on. We've all heard the sayings, the end of the age and when Jesus comes again. But what do those things really mean? Today, Pastor Dan takes us through Jesus' teachings about the things that will take place and what we must do to prepare for the second coming of Christ. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, as he begins his message, The Olivet Discourse. Matthew 24, we pick it up in verse 1, where it says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And Lord, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we ask, as always, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher And we pray and ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your word. I pray and ask, Lord, that your spirit would be upon me to teach your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we begin the Olivet Discourse, and we just kind of scratch the surface of the Olivet Discourse. We'll be in the Olivet Discourse for a few weeks at least. Uh, This teaching is called the Olivet Discourse because Jesus 
gave this teaching to his disciples on the Mount of Olives. Uh, The Olivet Discourse is one of the longest teachings of Jesus recorded in the Gospels, along with the Sermon on the Mount and the Upper Room Discourse. And in this teaching, in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus tells us the signs of the end of the age and of his second coming. And this teaching is vital for us so that we can understand the events occurring today. And so that we can know what to expect for the future. Uh, The Olivet Discourse is also recorded in Mark's Gospel, in Mark chapter 13, and Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 21. And it's helpful to look at all three Gospel accounts to get a complete picture of this teaching, because each Gospel includes uh, different details. Um, so it's, it's worth your time to look at the other two sections. Now, just remember, Jesus is in Jerusalem for the last time. He's only a few days from being crucified and dying for the sins of the world. To understand what's taking place here, you have to look back in chapter 23 to get the context. In chapter 23, Jesus denounced the religious leaders for rejecting him as the Messiah and for leading the people of Israel in rejecting him. And then at the end of chapter 23, verse 37, Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing See, your house is left to you desolate, speaking of the temple. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus indicated that the temple will be left desolate in verse 38. And he implied that he would come a second time in verse 39. But he would not return until the Jewish people receive him as Messiah. And say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which is the the messianic greeting, the way that the Messiah is to be greeted when he comes. After saying this, Jesus immediately leaves the temple. And this ends his public ministry. He gives no more public teachings after this point. His remaining days are focused exclusively on preparing his disciples And that brings us into chapter 24, where it says in verse 1, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Now, Mark's account and Luke's account of this give us more detail. They tell us that the disciples specifically pointed out the impressive stones of the temple. So here Jesus says the temple will be left desolate, abandoned, and as they're walking out of the temple, the disciples say, hey, Jesus, but look at these stones. (laughs) Look at at these stones. Now, just to give you some background on the temple, Herod the Great began renovating and expanding the temple in 20 B.C., 
This is taking place in about 30 AD. So, so Herod began renovating and expanding the temple 20 BC, uh, about 50 years before. And the expansion of the temple wasn't completed until 64 AD, just six years before the temple was destroyed by the Romans. Herod created one of the wonders of the ancient world. The temple building itself stood more than nine stories tall. It was made of white limestone and marble, and it was overlaid both inside and out with plates of gold, solid gold. The Jewish historian Josephus wrote that when the sun hit the temple and reflected off of the white stone and the polished gold, it was so bright and dazzling, you had to look away. It hurts your eyes to look directly at it in the sunlight. The rabbi said, he who has not seen the temple has never seen a beautiful building. The temple was one of the largest, most majestic buildings in the ancient world. The disciples marveled at the stonework of the temple, pointing out the stones to Jesus. Now, some of the stones that remain today in the retaining wall of the Temple Mount, because the temple's been destroyed, but some of the stones in the retaining wall that held up the temple that are still there today measure uh, 45 feet in length, 11 feet in height, and 8 feet in width, and weigh more than 400 Tons, just one stone. Now, just to give you just kind of a little bit of a reference here, the ceiling right here down by the stage is about 12 or 13 feet. These stones are 11 feet, so almost as tall as the ceiling, and they're 45 feet long, which is from like that wall over to about here. Just one stone. And there's a bunch of stones like this in the retaining wall. Of the temple. The stones of the temple were cut from quarries around Jerusalem. Listen to this. They were cut precisely to size at the quarry and then transported to the temple mount and fitted in place without the need for mortar and without the need for making adjustments with a chisel and a hammer. There were no chisels and hammers used at the temple mount when these stones were put in place. If, if you've like built a bookcase in your house, you've always, you know, I mean, anything. But that's how precise the construction of the temple was. The stones are so tightly fit together, you can't even fit the blade of a pocket knife. Not that you should carry a pocket knife with you to Jerusalem or the temple area. But you can't even fit the blade of a pocket knife between those stones. They're so perfectly fit together. And Jesus said, hey, this temple will be left desolate, which probably seemed inconceivable to the disciples because of the sheer size and splendor of the temple. And that's why they're pointing out the stones to Jesus. How could this building ever be left desolate? How could it ever be abandoned? So as they're leaving the temple, the disciples began to show Jesus the stones of the temple. Jesus, come on, look. What do you mean? And look at his response in verse 2. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. 
Jesus didn't walk back what he said about the temple being left desolate. Instead, he went even further and said, you see all these magnificent stones? Assuredly, I tell you, not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. That's a very, very precise prophecy about the temple, isn't it? He he doesn't speak with vagueness. He, He doesn't leave us wondering What is he saying? He he doesn't speak in very general terms like the temple will be destroyed one day or uh, the temple will no longer be used. No, he, he says not one stone of the temple will be upon another and the stones of the temple will be thrown down. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. If the temple building is only partially destroyed, well, then this prophecy fails. If there's just one stone left upon another stone, this prophecy fails. If the stones of the temple are not cast down somehow, this prophecy fails. One stone will not be left upon another, and the stones must be thrown down for this prophecy to be fulfilled. Well, what happened to the temple? About 40 years after Jesus made this prediction in 70 AD, the Roman army destroyed Jerusalem. In the siege of Jerusalem, the temple was set on fire by the Roman army. And the heat from the fire inside the temple became so hot that it melted all the gold in the temple and all the gold on the outside of the temple. And the melted gold ran down into the crevices between the stones And after the siege was over, the Roman soldiers dismantled the temple stone by stone to recover the melted gold. And the Roman soldiers cast the stones down over the retaining wall of the temple. So once the Romans were finished, not one stone of the temple was left upon another and the stones were thrown down over the retaining wall precisely as Jesus said they would be. Because the words of Jesus regarding the temple, as impossible as they seemed at the time he said them, because they were exactly true and precisely accurate, that means we can trust the rest of what Jesus said about the future. We can be confident that the rest of what Jesus says here and the Olivet Discourse will be fulfilled. Even if it may seem inconceivable to us, although I don't think it seems inconceivable today, some of the things that he says here. But we can be certain these things will come to pass exactly as Jesus said they would. Jesus tells us what will come in the future to prepare us 
for the future so that we don't stumble when we see these things taking place in our world. In John chapter 16, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you about the future, that you shall not be made to stumble. A few verses later, Jesus adds, These things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. Jesus tells us what will come in the future so that we will not stumble when they happen, so that we are prepared when we see these things in the world. And so that we know we are coming to the end of this age and about to enter the Messianic age. So that we know that Jesus Christ is coming back. You know, in First John chapter 1, it says, people who believe Jesus is coming back purify their lives. If you understand and you know that Jesus Christ could come back at any moment, maybe even today. It causes you to purify your life. It causes you to live a holy life. You won't be sloppy in your relationship. You won't be sloppy in your walk. If you know and you believe that today might be the day that I see Jesus Christ, it'll cause you to live a holy life. And so when Jesus said this, he says this as he's leaving the temple And he and his disciples, they go out from the temple to the Mount of Olives, which was just east of Jerusalem, down through the Kidron Valley and then up onto the Mount of Olives. From the Mount of Olives, they had a spectacular view of the temple and the city of Jerusalem. It says in verse 3, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age, the disciples asked Jesus three questions. The first question is, tell us when will these things be? Speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. When will the temple be destroyed stone by stone and cast down? Luke's account of this says they also asked, what sign Will there be when these things are about to take place? So they ask for a sign. The second question, what will be the sign of your coming, your second coming? And the third question, what will be the sign of the end of the age? And so the disciples asked three questions. And with each question, they asked for a sign that that event is about to occur. What is the sign that will tell us the temple will be destroyed? What's the sign of your second coming? And what's the sign of the end of the age? Now, what is a sign? A sign communicates information. When you're driving down the highway, a sign communicates what's up ahead. Road work ahead. Rest area one mile. A sign communicates what is coming. The disciples want to know what signs will precede these three events so that they know that they're coming. What signs will precede the destruction of the temple and the second coming and the end of the age? Now, the first question regarding the destruction of the temple, when will these things be? Matthew doesn't record the answer that Jesus gave to that first question. Luke's account does record the answer. In Luke chapter 21, verse 20, Luke 21, 20, Jesus said, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its destruction 
is near. So that will be the sign that Jerusalem and the temple are about to be destroyed. The sign will be when Jerusalem is surrounded by an army. It's interesting, the story with that. Uh, Initially, the Roman army surrounded the city of Jerusalem in 66 AD, uh, but then the Roman army had problems with their supply chain and supplying their soldiers, and so the Roman army briefly pulled back their army from around Jerusalem The believers that were living in Jerusalem, knowing what Jesus said, that when you see an army surround Jerusalem, know that that's the sign that the destruction of Jerusalem is about to take place. The believers that were in Jerusalem at that time, when the Roman army pulled back, they all fled the city. And they went over to modern-day Jordan, and they stayed there. There were no Christians that were killed in the siege of Jerusalem. Because they all took Jesus' words literally and believed what he said. And when they saw that army, and then when the army pulled back, it gave them a window to flee. And they fled over to what we would say is Jordan today. And then after the siege of Jerusalem in 70 AD, the Roman army comes back. They destroy the city. After that, that group of Christians actually came back to Jerusalem and built a church there in Jerusalem. It's one of the oldest churches in the world. It's still there today. So... Luke gives us the answer to this first question about the destruction of the temple. Jesus answers the question, what will be the sign of the end of the age, beginning in verse 4. Now, think back, if you will, to middle school and your middle school history class. Do you remember how we chop up history into a bunch of different ages? There's the Stone Age, the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, Age of Discovery, Scientific Age, Age of Revolution, Exploration Age, Industrial Age, Space Age, Information Age, and so on, and so on, and so on. We like to chop up our history into a bunch of little ages and define it by different ages. In the Jewish mind, in Jesus' day, there are only two ages. There is this age and the Messianic Age or what the Bible calls this age and the age to come, which is the messianic age when Jesus Christ returns to the earth with power and great glory and he rules over all of the earth, the messianic age. When Christians pray the Lord's prayer, they pray for this age to end and for the messianic age to come. They pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They are praying for this age to end and the age to come to begin. Whether they realize it or not, they're praying for the messianic age. So there are only two ages in history according to the Bible. There is this age that we're living in and the messianic age when Christ returns. I like that. I like that there's just two ages. The Bible tells us that human history will not continue on forever, that one day Jesus will interrupt human history when he returns and establishes his kingdom here on the earth and rules over all the earth as king of kings and lord of lords. This age will end and will enter into the messianic age. And won't that be glorious, right? And we say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, right? Establish your kingdom. 
And so when the disciples ask here, what will be the sign of the end of the age? They're asking, what will be the sign that this current age is ending and we are about to enter the Messianic age? He asked me how I know, and I say, bring sure than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, and he has more to share with you next time. How is what you're hearing from this book landing in your heart? If there's anything that's prompting you to seek out more questions or to ask for prayer in any way, would you be willing to give us a call and talk to us? Our desire is to hear your heart, pray with you, and ask for God to help you with whatever you might be wondering or thinking about. Our number is 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected with a local church, we encourage you to find a church family that will help guide and support you in your faith. And if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to learn additional things from this first book of the New Testament. Pastor Dan has more to teach on from Matthew, and we're excited for you to join us as we continue growing. There's so much to appreciate by reading God's Word. We hope you'll tune in next time and be a part of our listening audience, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize Rings true.